0: You're listening to the Mind Takeaway Podcast with your hosts, Mira and Peter.
1: In our quest to help create a world without inequality, poverty, and war, we share insights gained through our work about leadership, psychology, and creativity.
0: You will also hear conversations with ordinary people who do extraordinary things due to their increased awareness, curiosity and intuition, plus their deep connection with others.
1: Mira and I are proud to share our first in a series of podcast episodes with a live audience. We had a great conversation and exploration into what causes burnout and how we can address it individually and in the workplace, together with Corinne lemper Mayonga from Still Point Spaces, Berlin. The first part is the three of us on a live panel sharing our burnout experiences. Plus, Mira and I explored some of the ways we work with leaders as coaches when it comes to managing your energy instead of blocks of time. Enjoy listening.
2: Welcome to Steel Point Spaces. My name is Corinne, for those who don't know me. I work as a site coordinator and business development manager here since March 2020. And uh, yeah, we came together with... Myra and Peter, to discuss about the cycle of our energy and what it means to, to be in your body, to not be exhausted, to talk about burnout. We came up with that, with that idea because we met at some former event and we're just talking all the time. Basically, we were like just having great conversation, informal conversation in cafes, and talking about the same topics and thought, why don't we organize something about that? And then maybe we should get like a fancy guest, like a super great entrepreneur and then trying to see if they're interested in talking about that burnout. Then we realized actually we could start with us.
1: Well, actually I think you're the fancy guest on this one though.
2: Wow, uh, fancy. Yeah, that's so cool. So I'm the guest now. But because um, we, we have a few things to say and, and to share and we also hope that maybe you're also interested in that topic. I also want to ask questions, share your own experience. Uh, so that's how we came up with that idea and I also think that as Stillpoint and The Mind Takeaway, we're kind of striving to, um, I will say at least for Stillpoint, educate through uh, content that is based on psychology uh, and trying to understand the world a little bit better. If you have any question regarding Stillpoint, feel free to ask. We're doing so many things related to having a community for people that are interested in psychology, renting rooms for practitioner, so if you have any questions about that, feel free to ask. My name is Mira, and
0: uh, together with Peter, we are doing the Mind Takeaway podcast for the past four years. It started as an experiment. It started talking about, um, we've, yeah, we were quite curious about humans, aren't we? And we started talking about creativity, and then it went into uh leadership and what those two have together and then psychology and uh, and so we now talk with how we like to call it we talk with ordinary people that are doing extraordinary things um and uh, and we we get really curious and, and I guess this is what what got us to um, to, also record this episode and it's something that it's showing up with our clients uh, all the time you know there is at least one conversation that we have about energy and burnout and usually these conversations are some of the most powerful conversations for the people that we work with because they suddenly realize that you know actually I'm okay you know, there's nothing wrong with me because I'm tired. There's nothing wrong with me because I just can't perform 100% all the time. I need to start taking care about myself. And then this is where um, this is where this is kind of a new step in awareness for lots of leaders, for lots of managers, for lots of, uh, you know, and then they share that with their employees. So that's, that's pretty rewarding. Uh, Anything else you had to add?
1: No, just in our work, we noticed that burnout, it actually creeps up. It's quite sneaky because you don't kind of in the middle of it, you know, where you're heading, running towards a brick wall at high speed, you don't suddenly go, oh, I'm burnt out. And it makes sense to slow down. And actually, quite often with our clients, they're telling us that they're okay. They're telling us that, you know, I need to do more. I'm going to fill my week, my month, my year up with more meetings, more Stress, you know, just lots of stuff. And it's only until we get them slowed down that they realize that they were literally standing over a cliff. And it's happened to us. I mean, what we'll share hopefully this evening is all three of us have experienced standing over that cliff, and some of us more so than others. And, you know, I used to think uh, I'm a professional musician as well. And at one point, you know, when I was 25, I thought I was invincible. So I had a full time career working at France Telecom. I was running, what, a professional studio. Well, you had a band as well. Oh, yeah, and I was touring, playing Glastonbury, stuff like this. But I I tried to be the father of the band. I tried to be a good leader, good employee, but I never looked after myself. And it wasn't until I actually took two weeks after about eight years of just running super fast that it literally my body just went all over the shop. And I was sitting in a hotel in Dubai. In the, I don't know where it was, but... I literally just started crying and I was just like, what's going on? I didn't know what the hell it meant, what it was. And it took about two or three weeks to realize that I was just rewinding back from the last eight years of just crazy stuff. And, it, and I literally just tortured myself. In fact, how we met, I ended up having a tumor as well when I lived in the UAE. And I think, I mean, you can't prove it, but I, I reckon that uh, a lot of my lifestyle, you know, taking drugs, drinking a lot... Zero sleep and literally burning the candle at both ends for a decade kind of did it. I would imagine
0: Oh god, you you changed a lot since then. I I met him just before that happened. Oh, just just after that happened Uh, but uh, so Personally, I didn't know I was burnt out. I thought there was something wrong with me like I thought that because I'm tired, it means that something is wrong with me, that uh, I shouldn't be tired. I felt lots of, so these are some of the signs of the burnout As one, if you're looking for them. Resentment. Resentment towards people around you. Resentment towards people that you used to love until yesterday. They seem to have much better lives than you do. Tiredness, one of the things. Uh, exhaustion um, an inability to focus um, what else this um, disconnecting yourself from people uh, suddenly a very uh, a person that, that likes to go out person that likes to spend time with friends person that is talkative suddenly just close closes down and and then you you know, then you just don't want to spend time with people anymore. You, you want to spend time on your own, and, um, and it's really interesting because lots of these things look like mental disease as well uh, and lead, if we don't start taking care of it, it can lead to severe depression. I, I actually was diagnosed with a depression even though I wasn't depressed. And so they wondered why medicine didn't work. So it's interesting how much of it, because we didn't. I mean, nobody really spoke about burnout until recently, did we? We spoke about uh, we spoke about mental illness. We spoke about um, we spoke about, you know, people being lazy and the rest of it. Uh, not wanting, these young people don't want to work anymore, you know, there was, what, what else was it? Um, we spoke about so many different things but never really got to the point of burnout and I think that was the problem and this is why there was there was lots of mistakes in, uh, in you know, in actually treating it, actually doing something
2: about it. I think it's also a threat for the system. <laughs> You know, because, because we work on productivity, like if we're not productive all the time, then the system is designed in a way for us to work as much as possible and make profit. And once we start seeing that, yeah, actually we're not machine and we have feelings and we can't work all the time, then we're also not made to be productive all the time. Then that is something that is kind of a threat <laughs> for, the, for the system itself. Um, So I I found that interesting. And there's no, for now, burnout is just a concept because there's so many symptoms that are peculiar to anybody. It could be insomnia, it could be digestive issues, like everybody's feeling in this own way. That it's also hard to say that it's this. Mm -hmm. Um, But in general, it's just having that feeling that you're not really, that you're just off. I think for me, it was just like something was off. Mm -hmm. And uh, kind of a, being in this um, move, black and white movie. Like, everything felt the same. Every day felt the same. And that's not supposed to be like this. I don't think life is supposed to be there. But for me, I felt like that. I was like, Monday, okay, Tuesday, and Wednesday, still the same, Thursday. Mm. And that's a bit weird. That is weird. Because you have the weather, it rains, it's sunny, and I feel like we are supposed to feel like the... The whole range of emotion, but because society just conditioned us to not feel it like sadness or anger mm. to be able to perform a certain way. Um, and I think that's what people I hope that I think people are now being more connected to that and trying to understand, mm. hey, something is off. So have to ask yourself why, like what is it? Mm. Yeah.
1: What springs to mind, I guess, is it connects to mental health. I mean, I know it warms my heart that it's actually quite normal now to talk about it, or at least for certain, you know, younger generations, because when I started work in the world of work, it was all very, dare I say, white male testosterone, work yourself into the ground, and everyone got a gold star, you know, for smashing the hours in. So, I'm, you know, I'm glad that it's starting to be normal to talk about these things but i still see burnout i mean you pointed to before it it's a label right for some it's still an abstract concept and i think there's a danger with that label of burnout as well That quite often what we see in our work is that employers startup co-founders innocently or not say you know it's the employee's fault you know they should have got sleep they should have done xyz but what we found in our work is that unless A leader steps up first and says, look, I know we're busy, but I reckon, you know, I want you to go home. I want you to see your family. I want you to go and get sleep and get rested. Because let's be honest, I I was never any use to anyone, if I'm really honest. If I think back in some of the roles I had, the most stressful, toxic environments, when I didn't sleep, when I was super stressed, when I was super not happy in myself, but I didn't even see that because I was just busy dare I say I wasn't very productive and I know in a lot of the roles if I'm really honest I wasn't a great boss either because I was so I mean you pointed to before Mira that when you're burnt out when you're stressed you start to take it out on the people around you and it's different you know it's not that I was shouting or screaming at people or being nasty but I was just going inward I wasn't um I guess listening was I to the needs and wants of my team, I wasn't feeling the heartbeats of my people. And I was probably ignoring their needs and wants because I didn't even check in on myself. So what we're saying is that, yes, it is the, the responsibility of an employee, but it's really, really important if you have a company, if you're an entrepreneur, if you employ people, if you, if you want to be a good peer or colleague, it's to really listen and check in with each other. And I don't know if you've ever experienced this, but when I had mental health problems, the last thing I guess that springs to mind is to go out and share that with with another human being. You kind of go inward, right?
0: Yeah, I, uh, there's lots of stigma still, I guess, attached to it, and it also that's how it feels. You want to be on your own, but um, but the other thing, uh, the other thing that that we've noticed, and and the reason why we wanted to to uh, talk about this is is this idea that um, that if we stop doing so much that we are doing during the during the day during the everyday that that we that everything is going to fall apart that the work won't be done that there is so many things to do there is so many um, projects at the same time so i can imagine you know in a startup environment that everybody's doing everything and so it's uh, It's really hard to make the switch, to make the change, uh, and it's really important to do that, because what we've noticed as well is that when you stop being busy, you are actually more productive. And And it sounds insane, but that's how it works. Your mind has more energy to spend on what is important. Your mind gets more creative. Your mind starts working on a different level. It is not just busy with stuff, and then you can't think of anything else. So if you want to be creative, also the thing with time, uh, you know how we all experience time. we, we all experience time differently, you know, sometimes it goes fast, sometimes it goes quick, and sometimes you think for something it will take you, you know, five days to finish, and then you are rested and you feel good and you reflect a little bit and it gets done. So it's really interesting to me that we, you know, there is this knowledge that we can do much more in a short period of time if our energy is balanced, if we're feeling good, if we're in a good frame of mind. But then on the other side, we're doing totally opposite.
2: There's this um, hustle culture.
3: Mm. It's
2: like that we think that it's like work hard, play hard, like just do a lot of things, do, 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 do. And it's just, there's so many ways, like as you said, to just like work or achieve something and um, I think what was interesting when you say like just doing something like that for me I mean I used to work a lot like I used to like push 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 and when I think of it I probably think that I was already conditioned like with my family like my mom is such a go-getter never stop so I think I probably already got it from there um, and so I didn't know how to function differently Uh, until I just completely collapsed. I think I had that run with a friend. That was my last run, I will remember. Like after 10 minutes, I was like, I'm done. And it was still like fully, I think at least like six, seven kilometers to go. And I was like, I'm done. So at that, I knew that I was really exhausted. Um, And then I think once I kind of settled my thing, because it's true that once you start looking at yourself, you think, I'm, Will I manage to get out of it? Like, if you feel really down, then you think, I'm just going to drown into that. But I felt like I have support. I'm going to start working part-time. And let's swim. Like, I was just like, let's do it. And it was interesting. Like, I had never worked 20 hours. So now I'm still working 20 hours. And I was like, what am I going to do? Like, I don't know. People were asking me, what do you do? I'm like, watering my plants like looking at the window but also then having lots of inspiration to do songs like and and it would happen like that like I remember sitting thinking listening to music and I'd be like oh I think I have the concept for my AP and then like it it was just one day but you would think if I work from Monday to Friday probably this will be better and it's just in your mind so I, I think that was really the time when I started to really look at how I function, I started to question everything about me. Like everything's like, are you really an early bird? Or are you, le- let's see. Mm-hmm. And so I was just really analyzing and then be like, oh, actually in the summer, I'm up at seven. Like, in summer I'm like, wow, the sun is there. Like, I'm so happy in the winter. I'm like, no, just leave me. I just want to stay in bed. So it wasn't such a hot draw. Like I realized depending on some season, my energy is not the same. Then of course you have if you are menstruating, like of course, I know your period have like a huge impact. And then lots of different things, the space. Like I think we talked about that already, that I love working in that space. Like the the aesthetic is nice, the plant, like I'm I'm set up to be well, but there are other spaces that are cluttered and I'm just like.
1: Maybe you could I'm touch on that. I mean, in our conversations before, I mean, it was only a couple of days ago, I think, Corrine, Yeah. You said that yeah. the previous workspace you had was the complete opposite. Maybe you could share a bit about how it was the complete opposite of being complementary to your well-being. Mm.
2: Yeah. I think I thought, because I know I'm a very sensitive and emotional person, I thought, ah, it's okay like you know some people can manage that some people can work in open spaces some people can do so i think i tried to force myself into certain places that I, was not really a good fit and um <laughs> this this uh, office space had lots of um tags and like art like on the wall like everywhere and uh, the ceiling was also crumbling a little bit, and but that was like the the energy of the space. I was like startup, acceleration, and all that. It also had carpet, like not carpet, but like not this kind of carpet, but just like everywhere it was. Car- and I don't really like it in general. But, like, it's it's little details, but I was just like, nah, the space is mad, but maybe I could like handle it, mm-hmm. but. When you think about it, if you go there every day and then it's like a bit chaotic everywhere, a bit clutter and everybody is, there's lots of events. Actually after a few, I honestly after six months, I think I was just like.
1: So for you it was the clutter, right?
2: It was a sensory overload. I was just like, too much. There was a,
0: uh, I think uh, just when you were saying this, it reminds me, you re- you found the, the today, uh, so the brain uh, takes, the, the brain is 2% of our body mass and it uses 20% of our energy when there is not much going on. So when you're stressed out, when you're overthinking, when you're freaking out, when there is clutter, for me is a is loud sound. I can't, I shut down when it's really loud and I get really tired. So it's, I think we're all different and, 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 the, and the, the thing is that we don't, and I think this is what happens, that once you become aware of, of yourself and, and what works for you and what doesn't work for you, you start listening to your body now more and, and this is where you can, you can start staying no and start creating boundaries for yeah. yourself.
1: Yeah, and a lot of our work, we say to our clients quite early on in our relationship, what are your boundaries right now in your workspace? And they're like, what do you mean? Like a like fence? And I'm like, well, yeah, kind of like that. But think of, you know, when do you say no? What, what, what is a non-negotiable, for example? And quite often, and these are senior people, you know, working in huge industry, they have no idea. And if I'm honest, he did I back then because I had zero boundaries. I would say yes to everything. You know, my boss would be like, oh, please. And I'd be like dying inside and I'd still say yes. And I'd stay late and then hate myself for it and obviously hate my boss for it. <laughs> but then this is the thing. So if you think about burnout and stress and overloading yourself, as Mira said, our brain is like a battery. It really is. And I know it might be a cheesy, cliched way of saying it, but... If you're running on red, which you are, if you're stressed and burnt out, how can you recharge? Recharging is obviously very unique to you, but there are some obvious things, sleep, eating well, and obviously not working so many hours. The problem right now is that, I mean, me and we were talking about it before, right? That since um, COVID, although we've had flexible working, which is a game changer, right, it's amazing. I love working from home, but for quite often our clients, even though they're really experienced, they know what they should be doing, they tend to log in for like 12 hours straight and they are literally burning themselves out. And then when I checked in with one recently, right, Mira, we we said, you know, what are you doing all day? I'm just curious. And by the way, I'm not having a go at you. I know you've had a stressful week, but what are you doing in those 12 hours? And then the person started to check in with herself and realized that that wasn't serving her. And actually out of that 12 hours dare I say, maybe six, seven maximum was anything useful. And even for me, I would say, when I think back about my corporate career, I'd have a few hours of you know, um, focused attention and then you can't really focus anymore, right? Have you tried to work seven, eight, nine, 12 hours? I know I did as a musician, you know, burning the hours and it never worked because again, the pressure. And you, know, you pointed to it before, you need reflection, you need downtime if you want to be productive and be innovative, you want to create new things from nothing, you know, forcing it by st- staying there and just smashing the hours doesn't work, does it? Or at least that's been our experience, you know?
2: I feel like the biggest obstacle is, like, this, like, survival energy that we're all in. Like, we know we're going to survive. And that and probably feels even more. Um, and so if we stay in, in this energy of, like, fight or flight, I have to survive, and then holding stress. Like, uh, just the body is not meant to hold stress for that long. Uh, but then what it means to to get out of this state, like, and especially if it was not model, let's say, if you're a child, like, how do you regulate, how you do all that, then it becomes super hard. And you were talking about boundaries, but I really feel like just boundary is... Uh, before, I mean, I even read books about like, how do I do boundary, how do I set it. Like now, nah, it's a, it's a wall. It's too much. I should build a door. Like I was just making it too complicated. Um, <laughs> and and then I was just like, well, I mean, it's really about knowing yourself and then knowing what, like, meaning your yes and meaning your no, mm-hmm. and just knowing what you like. It should be as simple as like, I love chocolate ice cream. I hate olives, and that's fine. But it should. But sometimes we think. I don't want to say that because I don't want to offend that person if this happened. or like so I think we, we make those we have those beliefs that we don't want to offend people. We have this belief that our emotion is gonna hurt someone, but it's just emotions just are. It's the reaction to the emotion that can create like a disaster, but it's just the emotion. It's just an information. Um, so there's really this thing about learning to be in our body. And I think that's where people are like, hell, no, like I quit because I mean, it's it's a uh, it's work. I mean, it's some people don't want to see what's what's going on in themselves. So, yeah,
1: you know what? As well, it's a good reminder. Thank you. You can change your mind quite often in my career. I'd be like, oh well, I've made my decision, or I've told my boss this, and the amount of pressure you're putting yourself. So quite often, at all, we're saying, you know, we just remind even ourselves. You know, even though we're coaches and we. T- you know, this is our work, we share about this every day. But in fact, the start of COVID, I nearly burnt myself out again, didn't I?
0: I... He was, He was. can I just say this story about you? Because I think it's more interesting than I say it. So on the the beginning of COVID, uh, uh, you know, everybody's doing lots of workshops and trying to help people, how to work from home, how to deal with this and that. And, and, you know, and, and Peter had lots of asks to talk about uncertainty and 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 all of that and he was one day he's he's walking through the house i can't do this anymore these people are annoying why why, why, they're all asking me to i can't do this i'm burnt out and i'm like hey you can say no and he yeah forgot (laughs) yeah yeah we forget to say no we forget that we can say no and change our mind
1: Yeah, and that's it. And when you're burnt out and stressed, it's the last thing that occurs to you, right? But again, if you get comfortable just exploring your boundaries, just by being really deeply creative and following your nose and being curious, it gets easier. These high-stakes conversations with your manager sometimes or, you know, your colleague, it's never easy, right? Especially when someone's bullying or pressuring you to do more than you're capable of doing. But it gets easier. And that's what we've noticed, that when you suddenly have the experience, the lived experience of saying no, believe it or not, the next time it happens, you'll be more comfortable. And it's saved me so many times. It's just something to bear in mind that we usually dig ourselves our own holes. You know, It's, it's, it's easily done, but it's actually quite easy to learn from that. And it's okay to make a mistake as well, isn't it? Because the, it's the only way we learn. You know, if you do take so much on, then you reflect on it and you go, okay, the next time I'm going to be asked to do that, I know that it probably doesn't make sense to say yes. And that's what I noticed with, you know, the teams I was in. Uh, We notice it with our colleagues because we send them off. We say, look, we know that it's not easy because we're telling you that, you know, you could say this or what, what makes sense. But until you actually go out and do it for yourself, unless you have that lived experience, it always looks like it's harder than it yeah harder than it is i guess
2: and also the about some of the belief that you mentioned it's really um our programming like where, like there's we get so much programming from the family we grew up and then usually we would repeat some of those dynamics and um find ourselves in uh, in similar relationship uh at work and so I know for myself I've been in so many companies where it was just like startup, startup crazy, uh falling apart, or just like billing from the ground up. Um super alpha people, whether it's men or women, like same, really same profile. Uh sometimes abusive. And I'm like, how come I'm always speaking the same? You know, like at that time I think I was really pretty much like I'm the victim. So I was just like, it's them. Um but then realizing how I was re- certain pattern and it's not that easy to see that on your own. So I think support is super important. Like I've seen it, therapies, coaches whatever. Sometimes also I wasn't ready to be confronted with what is my role. Uh, so I, the support part is super important. And um, also just reprogramming your mind it takes a lot of time. Mm-hmm. So I know that for, <laughs> I mean it takes probably a lifetime but like I know that for myself I had to really look at What is my inner dialogue? Like, why do I think this person can talk to me that way? Or like, why do I think it's okay for me to stay in this toxic environment? But when I started to, for me, I I tried so many things, actually. I tried affirmation. I was like, ah, that's BS. That doesn't work. Like, I was in front of the mirror and then saying certain words. Was like that doesn't work, but then I learned about this EFT tapping, and I was like, Oh, maybe I can tap the affirmation like I am whatever that kind of even though it I don't like that one, yeah, yeah I didn't like that. So, this is why I was like listening to some like YouTube affirmation that I like, or some music that I thought was positive, and I was just like, Okay, okay, just like trying to repeat it. Um, somehow it worked, like, especially, I could see. Uh, I knew that it worked at least for me when I was resisting it. Like I was just like, shut up. Like, you know, I just really, I couldn't hear it. Like there was something in me that was just like so strong that I was like, I I don't want to listen to that. That's when I knew that something was moving in terms of my internal dialogue and the belief system. And I think that is, that is important, like to know how we treat ourselves and like what, how much value we have for ourselves and respect um, and then that will just tell people also how we want to be treated by them. Like, oh, yeah. yeah, they will they will know. But if if you can stand to your nose and just say, I don't do this, I don't like this, then people know already where's the fence, like, you know, where you are. So I think it's super important. People can smell the fence, no? <laughs> people can smell
0: the fence. <laughs> the, uh, sorry, this was loud. Um, um. But there was one thing that is as I was listening to to of you, There was one thing that was kind of getting really loud in my mind, and it was it, it's actually the burnout isn't bad, it's a signal. It's like pain. It's a signal. So, it's um, and one of the things that I was that that I was thinking a lot in in connection with the burnout recently uh was that it's it is actually a protection from that our this is how our brain is protecting ourselves because it's all about managing energy and survival so um i don't know if you've heard of the experiment that was done i need to find uh, who did it uh, years ago, and it's about the altitude sickness, altitude disease, and uh, why do we uh, die when we are on, I don't know, I think it's it's what, what percent of oxygen is uh, on on top of the Mount Everest. I think it's 40%. I'm not 100% sure, but yeah. So what what they say is that the percent of oxygen is enough for survival. However, our brain overprotects us our brain starts shutting down the organs because percentage of oxygen is low in order to keep the brain alive, but it kills our body. So in some way, I see burnout doing the same thing. Uh, If we are doing it and... So what do we do to increase energy when we are burnt out, when there is no energy? What do you do? I mean, I used to use alcohol. I used to drink. That was, that was giving me lots of energy. Uh, coffee, uh, energy drinks, um, drugs. I mean, we see that a lot. We see that a lot on on Wall Street. We see that lot lot in 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 all kind of these fast paced. There is interst- say in the Berlin startups. <laughs> well, we are in Berlin, but uh, it's the. Um, but I think, and it works. All these things work until they don't work, and so, and this is why we see uh, connected with stress lots of autoimmune diseases, lots of. Uh, uh, lots of all kinds of stuff happening with the body because body is trying on all sorts of different ways to let us know that, hello, well, you know, something's not right here. I don't know, it's just uh, just something that I've been thinking about recently.
1: Yeah, and I think why we mentioned energy in the title of this event is because when we in our work started looking at our energy management instead of managing blocks of time, totally blew our mind. So, for example, if Mira and I went to facilitate like a week or do a workshop, whatever, what we noticed in our work is if we were not well rested, frenetic, bit fidgety, you know, it might not be anything bad, but I was just a bit sketchy and I would come in the room even before I started or we, we started to facilitate, I noticed that our clients would be off. So it's amazing that even before you open your mouth, if your energy's off and you walk in a room, it's like, you know, when you see a cat, cats are really sensitive to sketchy people, you know, they start to, and you know, if you put a cat in a new environment, it really susses it out. And we forget as humans, we're really super sensitive, even though you might not be able to comprehend it or put it into words, something's off. So what we noticed is if we're, you know, rested, relaxed, we go in and we're friendly and... You know everything's cool they're cool you know we notice that people play up less they don't you know get uh, misbehave or stuff like that so if you look at this in your daily work for example if you look at your calendar for the week right and you go okay what what's my best guess if I'm gonna do this really well this piece of work or I'm gonna go in this meeting how's my energy today and what I did for example I would cancel meetings I would say to Mira I don't think we can do that this week because I'm not feeling great or I've talked too much on. And it was really impactful. And when we noticed it with our clients, they would literally start to transform in front of our eyes. Their team would be more relaxed when they were um, holding high stakes meetings, when, you know, really challenging things had to be communicated. When they went in well-rested, they checked in with themselves and they were like, well, my best guess is, you know, it's going to be difficult, but I'm just going to have a go at it. Guess what? The results were really impactful. And when they were not well-rested, when they were scared, when they were angry or whatever was going on or something's going on with the kids and they brought that into work, the wheels came off. But the other side of it as well that we mentioned before is it's okay to mess stuff up as well. You know, what we say to leaders quite often is that don't hide it because if you really want to build a deep connection with your people and make them feel safe, you know, like psychologically safe, then when things don't go well or you've had an argument or something's gone on, I'm not saying share it what's and all, but it's okay to actually tell people. And when I started to do that as a leader, my team were actually totally relaxed and they started to share. But I also said with a caveat that when I spoke to each individual, I said, look, you don't have to share as much as me whatever's safe for you i'm just telling you because it made sense i didn't do it to get anywhere you know it wasn't like it i did it as a strategy it just made sense to share that i wasn't feeling good and actually in the weeks and months after that because i was experimenting with it what i noticed is my team started to share more they started to um develop more trust between the you know the, the rest of the team and i noticed that without me getting involved in it they were course correcting themselves. So things just got a lot easier, right?
0: So w- what did we do to check on our energy? So we, we, we literally sat down. That's how we started. We sat down and uh, took a piece of paper, each of us separately. And on one side was things that uh, take my energy. I mean, take, things don't take our energy. Where do I spend most of my energy? Uh, And on the other side was uh, how, uh, where do I get my energy? And so, and what was interesting, and this is what we keep on seeing with people when we do this, it's very simple exercise. It's it's that even, like sometimes, it's not that negative things take your energy or you spend more energy on negatives. Sometimes even stuff that, or things, or people that you love the most are the ones where you spend the most of your energy. So it's just really seeing it on the, I mean, I remember having a, a speaking to a client of mine and she said, "Oh, I have my kids on the energy taking line. Is this bad? I love my kids. And it was amazing for her to see that if she wants to have a good time with her kids, she actually needs to do stuff that bring her more energy, that give her more energy. So it's, you know, I'm going to do my writing every day. She's a writer. I won't skip that. You know, I, I'm going to do my exercise every day. I won't skip that. I'm going to take care of myself so that I can give my kids more energy. And so it was. it's interesting how you know, we have these ideas of what's good, what's bad, but it's it's just not what's good, what's bad. It's just what is. And so, so that's one of the things. The other thing is what we were doing is when in the day, I have the most energy. So for me, it's early morning. When I wake up, I like straight away start doing stuff because this is my high energy. And in the evening sometimes. Uh, and for Peter is different, so we were clashing before we realized that we were clashing a lot. You know, he thinks that I should be doing things the way he does them at the same time, and I was thinking the opposite.
1: So it was. Uh... Yeah, in fact, over the three years of growing a business, we were innocently treading on each other's toes, yes. and actually, it was we had to get a coach ourselves to actually get the helicopter view, and we were, if I'm honest, quite resistant. You know, because I just didn't see it and when we when we had the insight into that, it was just like, "Wow, this and it is was so simple. innocent. It wasn't like we were trying to micromanage each other. It's just that I would try and force Mira to do work at a time when she was depleted. So, for example, Mira gets depleted by doing too many meetings where for me, it would actually recharge me in a weird kind of way. And we just found you know a way of doing it. And when we facilitate, we take turns because certain tasks through if we're running a program totally burn me out and vice versa Mm -hmm. and when you look at that for yourself that's when you can really set your boundaries because you're going to go actually my optimum time is this i know this is tricky in the world of work because i'm guessing that your boss is not going to let you do exactly what you want but if you get curious about you know when when are your peaks and troughs throughout the day what zaps your energy? I mean, some of the things, like when you said about that parent, it, it blew my mind as well. Because when I made that list, some of the things that were on the list deplete and totally zap me. But in my head, I love doing them. All I did, I just, as Mira said, I, I decided to do these things when I'm you know, more well-rested or I had lots more time on my hands to do it. And then I started to remove those things out the day. And I realized that I could do more But crucially, I wasn't filling up my day with more tasks. I wasn't trying to do more by, you know, filling. If it was six hours of work, I didn't do 12. And weirdly enough, you can actually do a lot more by doing less. I know it sounds really counterintuitive. But if you think about it, if you're burnt out and stressed as well, you're actually up in your head and you're thinking a lot about stuff that's not really going to get you further forward. Or at least that's been our experience. But... When you're relaxed, when you're well rested, when you're okay in yourself, if you look at creativity or the state of flow, you're not overthinking it. It's not cognitive. You just do it. And by the way, I think we're dead on 45 minutes. And I I could feel Mira saying, shut up. Corrine, Mira, do you have anything to conclude or do you want to?
2: If I can conclude, oh my God. I don't Um... know.
1: Any part in wisdom before we get into the Q&A? Yeah.
2: I think this thing about relaxing I mean I like that you say that but it's also I know for me it's not easy like you can't tell me like just relax like you know it's just like it's it was really like learning and I'm still learning to relax and I think that would be actually another (laughs) uh, podcast topic but like if like Most people actually probably went through some sort of trauma, whether they want to tell or not, whether it's capital T, a small T, whatever. And so I think that conditions us a lot to find the resources, actually, to be in a state where we can relax, really be in the world, not just survive, but just, like, thrive, live. So, I mean, I know that for me was something that I had to do through the process, like, just, like, really look at Everything, like, what is sapping my energy? Uh, a lot of it was just, like, suppressing my most authentic self was sapping so much of my energy. But then nobody also wants to really be, like, everybody wants to be authentic, but not really. Then you will copy other people because, like, you don't really know. Um, so I think, like, that part, that um, I think, contribute a lot to, like, feeling uh, completely exhausted, but like once once you can, you, you get courageous enough to be like, okay, I'm just going to try and be me. Mm. See what happened. It frees so much energy. So, oh, yeah. Um,
1: yeah. I mean, try and be someone else, right? I mean, I love this. What, what was that quote? Uh, you can't really be anyone else because everyone else is taken. But yep. we spend most of our adult life. I mean, there's nothing wrong with looking up to someone I did as a musician, all of that. It's great to have idols and heroes or whatever. But when I try to be someone else in work, wow, that really messed me up big time, as you said. Or leaving someone
2: else's expectation, Expectations. like your parents. <laughs> but that's yeah. another
0: yeah, it's it's a it's a whole journey. It's, yeah. it's not easy. I mean, for me, uh, you know, I come from a background, I was a refugee and... Uh, and so, for me, just relaxing and being happy is—it is, took some unlearning. So it's, you know, it's for all of us. It's—it's a—it's a process. But it, I think the good start is to start looking—is where you spend your energy, uh, uh, where where it goes, like really quickly. And and it's fears. It's trying to be somebody else. It's thinking it's lots of thinking it's yeah it's it's interesting and then you can start you know it's a good overview and then and then slowly you start having insights you get curious you get you speak to people you you know we were just earlier talking about the the menstrual cycles and hormones and how much that affects you know and um, and you know we, we need to I think this is probably a journey towards discovering and accepting yourself as well. So I guess that would be my conclusion.
1: So yeah, questions. Because I've seen some of you were raring to ask. And yeah, thanks for your patience. I know sometimes sitting there and you're like, I've got an insight. I want to ask this. So yeah, fire away.
4: So not a question, but a perspective that um, that I'm discovering at the moment. Um, my name is Baraj. i burnout survivor long time ago. Um, In all of the things that that we mentioned, it's kind of um, one of the things that you start realizing when you're close to hitting the wall is nothing feels good, right? You you don't feel like hanging out with friends. You don't feel like eating good food. um, You don't really like the work. um, You're kind of going through the motions and your quality of life starts to degrade and eventually, um, you know, you get the symptoms that you get. And one of the things that I'm discovering now is that part of it um, is that we don't talk about work as something enjoyable. Like there is this, one of the beliefs that we all have is that work is something that you just do. You know, it's it's inherently a drudgery to begin with. Um, and so it can on, in a way only get worse, right? Um, but if you flip that script and say, well, why can't you enjoy work and, and start to look for work that is pleasurable to you or look for pleasure in work and how you do things and how you communicate with people. If you start thinking in those terms, like that becomes also a very good um, um, exercise. Like you mentioned, things that drain energy and things that give me energy. And I think of what is it that I truly enjoy at work and what is it that I'm not enjoying anymore? And when the balance is too much at not enjoying, then something is off, right? Because that spills over everything else I do in my life and then back into work as well. So it's it's just this perspective that um, I've been thinking about off late because I I heard myself say a few times I really love my work, uh, and then I questioned myself and yes for me it's true, um, thank thank God, um, but but that's that was the process that I was going through more and more trying to um, either find work that I enjoy or find ways to enjoy the work um, in in all the different aspects and. Perhaps that is a conversation we can also start having. Why are people not simply happier at work, you know, um, as an antidote to that or just something for ourselves?
1: Thank you for sharing that. That's really good because, yeah, I mean, that's the question. A lot of the companies that we're working with now and why we're doing this in Berlin is because they're young, embryonic. You know, they're, they're smaller companies that are growing. And they're straight out the gate. Why would you not enjoy your work? If you don't and you set a company up, something's off. And quite often, sadly, we speak to companies that are barely six months, a year, two years on, and people are like, yeah, I'm trying to get out. And that's the thing, I think, as humans, we forget sometimes that we have a choice. Although I'm not saying it's easy because, you know, if you're paying jobs, paying your rent, it's not that easy just to jump into another job. But what we would say is, I mean, we've done it before, haven't we, Mira? It's, it's not easy, but it, it's build up to the courage of, you know, if it's not serving you, like you said, and you've experienced burnout. It's like, well, staying here is not going to serve me. You know, what can I do? And like we said before, it's it's having the courage and being okay, being vulnerable, sharing it with your friends, your family, your colleagues saying, actually, I'm not digging it. <laughs> you know, I'm not I'm not liking this job anymore. I don't know what to do, but I just want to have this conversation. And believe it or not, just by getting it out of your head, the solution will come.
4: One of the things that got me on this line of thinking was um, I read in some book that people are terrible at taking care of themselves. Like we take better care of our pets or other people than ourselves. Most people don't uh, complete the prescribed medication dose they get um, because, you know, um, and it, it has some deep roots in different cultures as well. Christianity didn't help for a long time, you know, um, born in sin and, and the whole spiel. Um, so there, there's also this thing of you're not worth it in some way. And um, one of the most beautiful things that happened uh, for me in the last few months was um, working with the last company that I was working with. Two people who were the first conversations were, "I don't like this. This is not good." Like they were not even able to name what is it that they don't like. It's like all of it is bad. Um, This company is like this. Um, I'm gonna have to leave, but I'm still in this job for the last three years. Right, so kind of like really at that point where they're just dragging themselves through this thing and the thing that gave us pause was at some point me saying, hey, let's find a way to get you a break or help you change the job because you are worth it. And that kind of clicked, changed something in in their mind, got them thinking, you know, perhaps I am worth it, you know, um, and um, worth making an effort for. Um, And I think that... Just wanted to share that 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 part of the conversation has to come in. I mean, we live in the first world here. Um, I grew up in Pakistan. I had all the reasons to do all the crazy things I did to hit, get my burnout, um, all sorts of beliefs and so on. But over here, I mean, most of us, we can change. You know, it's the craziest thing for me to think if I quit everything and if, even if I go on Hardsphere, sphere, I'll probably have a higher quality of life than I could ever have in Pakistan, let's say in similar conditions. Um, but that that's not really going to happen, right? So kind of um, perhaps adding that perspective of there is another way possible and it's probably not the worst possible outcome, um, and you're worth it um, is is something to to bring to the conversation.
2: It's so interesting also that you mentioned like uh being born in pakistan and all that because i think for me the the click to decide to change or at least um to go part time and tell myself exactly like i'm worth it was was when i went to congo for the first time in my 30s and then i could see my um my auntie and she was full of life like obviously life was super difficult like just really like surviving yeah, I was like, how? Like, because seemingly I had paid all my debts. I had lots of money for them. I was like, the European, the rich, everybody was asking me for money. I was like, mm-hmm. um, and, but they were so alive and I fell so dead inside. Actually, I was like, how How come? Because for them, I succeeded. Like I was a success. And I was like, Ooh. so what is success for me? And I think this, uh, so I had to figure out then, take some time out and just, okay, what's success for me? And this whole programming of like not being good enough, it's just like, it's like what we're being fed, you know, by society, advertisement, like companies, it's just like there to keep us distracted from just being whatever we really want to do. Um, but it's, it's tough because we've been conditioned that our our self-worth is like, will come from the outside. So like it could be the job, like I don't know, like if I get this entrepreneurial whatever, or if I become this amazing artist with like 10,000 followers or maybe 1 million, I don't know, I made it. But but probably I will still feel miserable. Like you could actually attain that and I still feel miserable. And so I think at some point, it's just like really to look inside and just figure out that, sh- no, I'm just worth it, whatever, whatever you know, it, it doesn't depend on how much money I have. Um, the things that I do, it's usually everybody has to figure out, is it like having a good relationship, being close to nature, whatever it is for, for people. So I think that is super important, like this sense that, I, yeah, that we're worth it. And it, it would not come from the outside, like that's for sure. Anybody else?
5: So, hi, um, Reich, like my name um, I had a thought when you were mentioning the whole energy exercise, you know, like this, uh, here I spend energy, this gives me energy. So the thought that came to me, I just wanted to know if you, what do you think about it was things that take energy from you or like where I spend <clears throat> more energy that I can't change. Like the kids example, right? Wouldn't that be like somehow to me, uh, like a reminder that I somehow need to change my paradigm about this particular thing. Like I need to change how I approach this. I need to take responsibility for my thoughts and what I, you know, how I approach it. Like, let's say I need to be a little bit more playful. Or If I don't like this role as a parent as I am right now, maybe I am doing it wrong, you know, in order to gain energy from it. So I was just curious.
0: Yeah, I mean, that, that's a great point. And I think that's a next level to go there it's uh, but i mean i think that i guess it also depends of how we feel after we do something that there's there's maybe to look at that perspective as well like you can be tired and 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 without energy and feel good uh like i remember when i used to work i i used to uh, uh I was specialized in, in pain management, and then sometimes people would talk about good pain. Uh, and so it's, um, and I think there is that aspect of it. So just maybe to look at, um, first, how do I feel after I don't have the energy? Do I feel drained and, and horrible, or do I just feel pleasantly tired and and I've spent lots of energy doing it? And then... I think if if it's it's if it's a draining experience experience that you're dreading to do, uh, then definitely what you said going. Deep. I also
5: don't want to say that it's easy or anything. Right, changing no, yeah. a paradigm is like the hardest thing ever. Right, so to say for a human, you can change anything, but a paradigm is like.
3: Yeah, like yeah.
1: Well, you know, have you heard people always like, especially in the coach world, to say awareness is everything. And I'm like, BS, because awareness without taking action. So what we're pointing to first level is be curious, get really creative. And you pointed to it before, have a lightness and fun around it. You know, we don't get this exercise to do, oh my God, you know, it's a big thing. In fact, because if you if you approach it like that, you get what you put in kind of thing. So we we often do it in a playful way. And we're like, look, just what's your best guess? And we're like, you know, play with it, you know. And this this client who realized that it was actually, oh, as a parent. They zap my energy my kids, but I love them to bits, so I feel super guilty. Just a few tweaks. I mean, to your point, of course, if there's something they could reflect on as a parent, maybe that could change. Maybe that's sucking their energy because I'm not a parent, just to be clear, but some of our clients, we we spoke to with one last week. She said, you know, I I feel bad when I lose my temper with my child, but I know that I'm only human and it's going to happen. So just reflecting on that usually sends you on an exploration of getting the solution, right? So first level is find out what's zapping your energy and what nourishes you, and that, you know, the left and the right. And then it's like, well, without taking too much on, because I don't know about you, if I look at the solution, I go, oh my God, I've had all these insights. And I try and course correct everything in the day. I usually set myself up to fail. So what we say is get curious and then pick one easy thing, you know, baby steps. And then see if that works, what was it successful, you know, and then suddenly it's like, actually, that's made my week a bit easier. What What else? You know, and if you're curious about it, you're more likely to check in with yourself and go, actually, that's doable, versus I must, you know, that kind of thing. Um,
3: I just wanted to share, because I was thinking as you asked your question, um, I think also another dimension to it is just to understand that you need to have compassion for yourself. You need to understand, like, Okay, where am I being compassionate with myself and where am I being painful? Like if about paradigm shifting, because that's a mental construct. And I think that like it's just like again coming back to that thing about being a human and needing to just allow yourself to to because parad- I feel like paradigm or changing how we think about the thing is is uh sounds hard, basically. <laughs>
1: totally agree.
3: Right for lack of a better yeah it's just hard and and also earlier what i was also thinking as they were talking is this whole concept of burnout and accepting that we do these things to ourselves is also quite confronting Mm -hmm. and that's tiring as well it's like just accepting that it's confronting and then having compassion for the reason that we've allowed ourselves to get into a situation where we're putting ourselves through so much stress like so I don't know. I keep having this thought of being compassionate with ourselves, or where we are in our journey, or why we're, you know, why we've let ourselves get to that point, and not having any guilt or or like, and not letting that be the reason why we don't take a step forward. Because I think that's a big part of it too. Is like just accepting that we're at this point and allowing ourselves to just take that first step in whichever direction, and remembering that it's part of our process or our journey. And it it is. It's all a process. Like all of this is just process of learning about ourselves um yeah so that's a word that keeps coming up for me
1: you know, I love what you said because acceptance is really I don't want to say the first step because that sounds a bit cheesy but it's wisdom right there right it's I mean when you get burnt out I mean you know anyone in the room has experienced it it's shit it feels terrible but when you're you've got through it and you've had that realization it is a gift but that acceptance without that you're masking everything else. How can you see the woods for the trees, so to speak? You can't really get access to insight or, you know, you can't be conscious about what's going to work and what doesn't. So, yeah, it's so vital. You said it, interesting what you said about burnout, it's a concept, right? We, we've been talking about this off, you know, before we were recording that we reflected on it because we've been looking at this subject for years and we're still researching and we don't have all the answers, by the way. You know, this is why we have panels and conversations and we want to learn from you just as much as we're trying to support people who are stressed and burnt out what we found is that people in physical jobs don't really burn out when you think about it burnout is a concept and what we said in the early conversation is that it's so unique to you what maybe burns you out is completely alien to me or i might not be able to comprehend it so you know it it, the first step is really accepting but also as we pointed to what are your boundaries i didn't have boundaries set up quite often you know i had boundaries as a musician but i didn't have boundaries as a boss and i would share everything and i didn't have a cutoff point and then i drained myself because i gave everything to my team and then i couldn't fight the battles to save what was going on the company or stuff like that if if i mess something up and, and it's like you're no good how stupid all of that i tend not to course correct it i i really Although I've told myself off and I beat myself up, right, you actually don't do anything meaningful to stop it happening again. I don't know if you've thought about that. But when you're compassionate, when you accept, when you just go, Oh shit, okay, that wasn't cool. What could I learn from it? That's when you allow insight to come through.
0: And and the other thing when it comes to acceptance that comes to mind is the 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 more we are able to accept ourselves for who we are, the more we are able to accept others for they are and I guess that's the the first step to uh, having really good environments and diverse and you know caring about each other but yeah that's another story anybody else
6: why don't farmers uh, burn out
1: I have no idea <laughs> but well they Again, I I don't have the answer just to be clear because it's still stuff that we're looking into. But it's just something that hit us, wasn't it, the other day? And we were talking about it in our conversation. I'm like, it's curious that I don't know many... And again, I don't know thousands of farmers. So it's not like I've done a meta study, just to be clear. But I'd hazard a guess. So when I'm in my element, uh, me as if I go into musician mode and I'm not stressed and I'm not burnt out by touring and I'm actually just loving being creative, I'm not going to burn out, right? And actually the farmers that are, that were in my limited world view, they just loved what they did and they didn't do or it, it seemed to me they weren't doing stuff that they didn't want to do, although they had a ch- some in my you know version of reality looking at it uh, it being a farmer to me in my worldview of it was like because every minute of the day in my head it looked like you were busy, you had to put something away. You had to go to a field, there was a flood, the gates had to be repaired, sheep running round. You know, it sounds like it's my version of hell, but to your point before, it's like, just because my version of reality doesn't make sense to me, this farmer who was actually my bro- brother-in-law at the time was in his bloody element, he loved it. So it has a guess that if you're doing what you like, and to your point before, if you get up and you go, actually, I love my job then you're probably going to be less burnt out than someone who's working 12 hours for a finance company and he has got a horrible boss.
0: I think it's the physical element. It's that we can get all that stress and that whatever is accumulated with our thinking out and we are in nature. And I think especially farmers, they learn to live with growth and loss and, and, and birth and death and... And and with elements of of the nature, I guess, you know? In winter, we really don't do much. Summer, we do a lot. And so, yeah, I guess, anyway.
1: Well, if you think it, everything's a concept, I mean, humans are amazing. We make shit up, right? Everything, you know, the, the concept of burnout is something that humans made up. Pigeons don't get burnout, or at least that's my best guess. You know, even, well, for example, crows, they're super clever. So I've learned in the last couple of years, they're like super clever, but their brain's like size smaller than a peanut, right? But I'm guessing they don't sit in the Crow family and, you know, talk about those concepts, right? And what I wanted to add is actually uh, exactly what
2: you already said, is that I would that I would imagine that the farmer would just be more connected to nature. And then I also think that... Um, there's this thing about human being that probably because we we think we civilized and we were clothes that we completely disconnected from our more from our more primal nature. And I think that's probably why we're suppressed the most.
1: So maybe like, you're saying yeah, well, connected to aggression. Aggression. <laughs> yeah, the more the more connected to what's naturally being a human being, you know, connected to Earth and yeah, stuff like that. Yeah, maybe. yeah,
2: yeah. Oh. I think I think it's that. And and I think that not Feeling like, let's say you are at work or wherever you are, that you can't express your your anger or your sadness that builds up something. Like if you have to keep it under the radar, then it stays with you. And then you will need to find another time to, to deal with it. And maybe you don't find it. Um, so, yeah, I think that, as you said, being close to nature, understanding the cycle of like what growth is, being around like i think for me when i started having plants i was like mind mind blown i was like you don't you don't look at your plants in the winter and be like why is it not growing like you know it's just like and so i think for me it, it taught me so much about like how i think about growth and like, what it what it means to tend to your soil like your foundation and then lots of lots of things and yeah so regarding the pressure finding way to to release Get it, it yeah, either through physical. Yeah. Uh, and I think anger is something we don't learn to express uh, because it's there's not many maybe good models as to how uh, to. But there there are ways, and I think it's um, that would be an interesting step also when it comes to boundary, but also seeing people being more active in their life when they start to understand that I can... Get, we got anger for some reason and sadness for some reason. So, like, let's just...
1: Well, to your point, it's the the concept of pressure. It's different. You know, everyone in the room has the guess. Your idea of pressure is going to be different than everyone else. And that's the thing to get curious about, I would say, right? Because in all of our work, it's if I'm honest, it's all of our best guess. I mean, we do a and a but I'm not saying we have all the answers. It's more about this is my best guess, but I would suggest you go out and get curious about it. And that's what's put us in good stead, right? Because quite often if I get cocky and I'm like, yeah, I know the answer. Usually it's not the right one, if that makes sense, you know. You
6: yeah, know, I just, um, and Corinne, you, you said it nicely. I just wanted to speak to this element of like living according to the cycles. On, on one hand, I think this is also something that is really missing in, in modern day business environment is that it's like continuously performing while I think if we look more at nature, like there's periods in which... You know, like in spring, everything emerges. There is this place for growth, for new ideas. There's winter where you kind of... Um, there's summer where you can kind of like like eat, test those ideas and go forth and then harvest in in, um, in autumn. And winter is a time for silence and self-reflection. And I think if you really want to make a change, I think business needs to adapt also to the cyclical aspect of nature. And then, yeah, maybe a second point also, because physical, yeah... Like we spend, and I really feel this when I'm like at work, like we spend an entire day at work in like our four walls and we're disconnected from sunrise and sunset. While the research has shown like these moments in the morning and in the evening, they're so essential for um, to calm our stress levels, to increase our aliveness. And yeah, I really hope that we can like through, I think... What I also hope that maybe you can do is like go into organizations and have similar discussions as we're having now, like what makes you feel alive, What is it? what does it mean to be connected to your cycles, which then also comes back, I think, to the idea of what gives you energy, you know? When, at what time of the day, do you feel most alive? And I hope that these conversations can also be part of an organization and not, yeah. Leadership is so important, yes, they, they set the tone, but. To really shift that culture, I think. So yeah, just more one to speak.
1: To exactly. Honestly, I totally agree more of that. I mean, we do it with clients, but I mean, um, so although our work is more the long game, it's working with someone really senior who can have massive impact and exactly that. I mean, in, in our work, we had to reset ourselves. I mean, I was completely disconnected from nature, if I'm honest, when I was like 25 to Coming into my thirties, I mean, I've, I, you know, I, I, was physically fit. I went into nature, but I wasn't really. Even. Yeah, I wasn't even appreciating it. I was there, but I wasn't there. If that makes sense, I was running on a million miles an hour. So although I was in some amazing location, I wasn't sitting there being present quite often. So to your point, I think the more that startups just do stuff like that and explore the rhythm of you, you know. If you think about it, we're all biological creatures, but in this technology, fast paced life that we have, it's the last thing we think about day on day, even for us, if we go too fast, right? But the more that you're in tune with your circadian rhythm, I try to fight it for most of my adult life.
7: Uh, Thank you. There was lots in that today. I wrote a lot of uh, notes. For me, the movement is really important. There's a book over there. I'm not sure whose book it is on the table, but I flicked through it, but it, there's, there's a point that we think that our brain is for thinking, right? We're like, we're in this world where we champion the brain as think faster, think smarter, mm-hmm. think harder, but our brain is not for thinking. It's not for strategy. It's for coordinated movement. Like 80% of our brain neurons are about coordinating vision, sound, and motor neurons. Mm-hmm. And we spend, I, I have no doubt the correlation between the amount of time we spend in our offices And I'm not bagging on technology, but the sedentary lives that we live nowadays, moving away from physical movement is why our brains are being not fully utilized. And therefore there's the part of the the front part, the prefrontal cortex, which is all about the thinking and the planning. We're doing too much of that. And the rest of the brain is not being used. So the farmer's movement his coordination of hay bales, the, 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 the kind of conflict of pressure and movement is for me what's keeping him also feeling really good. I think also certainly about the nature, there's also the spiritual side about the birth and the death and all those things. Um, so I, for me, it's, it's hidden in plain sight, the things that you talk to around you know the the brain gets tired and we need to think differently and change our mindset and how do we stop doing that? We're like, "Oh, we need to rest physical, we need to eat well, that's physical we need to drink well we need that's also physical we need to do exercise that's also physical it's all through the body, but we're totally missing this whole gap so for me, I think for me I'm a big body man so i I think movement's really important um I guess i where do we need to make changes in businesses? Obviously, you said you don't do much corporate, but with your leaders and with the people that you see, where do we spend the money and where do we really focus in your perspective of, of how to help people and how to start changing this kind of mindset or, or kind of process or place we are in society and, and the working world?
0: I, I think we need to start at the point where they are at. I don't think we can go and and just tell them what to do because that never that doesn't work with me if somebody just knows what's best for me without actually checking in. I'm not doing it. But I think that's it. it I think it's conversations and I what, what Neil said it was quite interesting to so actually go and, and, and talk to people and and uh, and 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 figure out what it is for them and and in this whole whole conversations we were, we were I think emphasizing on the point that it's individual for everyone that we are all different people we have all different um, you know maybe on the end of the day we all learn the same thing but but I think we all get to through different learnings and and we have different cycles, so to say i mean we we were talking earlier uh yeah, there you are. Uh, about uh, uh, biorhythms. That was something that was popular in the 80s and 90s. Uh, and it's, and it's, uh, um, it's interesting to me, and I, and I think that we are all uh, experiencing it differently, that, that all our energy although in, in some ways it's the same, the, the experience is different, so different things work, work for different people, at least the start of it is different for everyone. So I think it, it comes with listening and everybody getting curious about what it is for them that would work, you know, because I think if you, um, and I do agree, body is a huge, I mean, I've I worked as a physiotherapist most of my life, um, it's It's a huge part uh, and but then uh, when I'm thinking if we if we just go and tell people to do one thing or there's one option, or you know, I'm not saying that this is what you said by the way, uh, but if somebody is burned out tired, exhausted, uh telling them to go and start doing exercise won't do it, uh, so I think there is. There is this, I don't know if I'm bragging too 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 long about it, but I think there is there is a big part of listening and figuring out what it works for this person or this group of people and then starting from there and then slowly, you know.
1: I can give you some, I won't name the companies, but instead of asking their people, asking the leaders, what do you want, what, what would work? You know, we don't have all the answers. They would spend millions on engagement programs, wellness programs, mental health, this, that and the other. None of it worked, sadly, because no one even used the employee support line because there was so low trust because people just switched off in the lead. And again, some of it was innocent. It wasn't like the big bad company, but quite often in the C-suite, you can't really, there's so much going on, you know, you can't see everything, but... If anyone's listening to this later, you know, the recording, if you're in the C-suite, you're a decision maker, start listening to your employees. Because until you do that, you won't get any solutions in. Even if you, you know, from experience, you know it works in other companies, what's to say it's going to work with you, you know? And quite often in my career, I was told to do something that I didn't want to do. I would go to my team and because I had high trust, they were okay with me but I would say, look, I'm going to implement this. You're going to hate me, and you're allowed to push back. I've got your back. I know we've got trust, but this is never going to go away. The leadership team have got a dog with a bone. And the sad thing is, it was just clunky. It was wastage, and it all just got, you know, it wasn't used. It wasn't implemented properly. And if you think about it, it's such a simple thing to remedy. Just start to give your people. I know I keep going on about it, but giving people a gift of your time Even as a friend, you know this, it'd be in your family, your partners, people around you. If you're a manager, if you give people enough time and give them patience, you'll always find a way forward. It won't be simple. It won't be eloquent, a silver bullet. It might be clunky as hell, but you'll get there versus I know better than you. We're going to implement this and tough, you know, just do it. (laughs) Anyone else?
7: Um, I'm curious to know, like if you have a leader who gets it and they understand that they need to ask the teams, they need to speak with people, where do they begin with taking into account all of the variables? So every person has their own inner cycle. We work in a, an environment of the cycles around us. The workflows have cycles. So how do you bring all of these things together? And kind of create faith in that leader that, by letting go of control, that they will be able to uh, develop a work structure and an organisation that accounts for all of the cycles.
0: Well, it, it goes through. Um, it does go through a little bit of chaos, <laughs> uh, but it's it's exactly you said it. Let go of control, and that's something that that's a big part of working with leaders, is to help them to uh, understand who they are and understand that they can make mistakes and mistakes can happen and... uh, and be more comfortable in their own skin so they can start letting go of control and uh, and then you know there is chaos is is part of it a little bit on the beginning until people get to and then when you are with a team and then when you have open and honest and transparent conversations you know if I'm if, if this is not my time and I'm really tired but I know that everybody's here and doing it and, and it does mean that I'll be doing it all the time. So I'll jump in, you know, it's I think that we are all willing to give up on some things uh, for the community, for greater good, for, you know, and it, it if we have the trust and strong community around us. So I, 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 I don't know, does that answer it a little bit?
1: Just one little thing to add and also be honest, quite often... I see leaders not willing to just say they don't know, or to your point, you know, we can't realistically in the work culture, you know, in all hybrid model, in the office, whatever, you can't always be in tune with the needs and wants of everyone's biorhythm, their circadian, you know, whatever everyone needs. But actually I find that you create psychological safety pretty easily if you just say, well, I can't cater everything. We have to be realistic, but I'm willing to have a go for you as a team. Let's explore it together. Let's get curious. So people get excited then. And even when I can think of my career, even when things weren't eloquent or there wasn't really a full solution, the team were relatively happy with the solution that we had, even though it wasn't perfect. And and actually, to your point before, people are willing to then go, okay, I'm missing out, but I'm going to play nice. Because I don't know about you, when when you're forced to do something or you're marginalized or someone suddenly, yeah, you, you, don't, you don't get choice or options or at least some choice. You don't play nice. You start to, your behavior starts to be toxic, you know. And, and I, well, part of our work as well was repairing teams that have gone off the cliff, you know. And you know what the first thing we did? And it was so simple. We were just like, what do you want to do? And every time, honestly, every single team that we course corrected, uh, at least in my work, was no one's ever asked me that. And I was like, really? And how long you been? Go-? Oh, yeah, no one's ever checked in with me for six months. They asked about KPIs. They asked about this. But no one ever said, well, how are you feeling mentally and physically? And it's such a shame, right? because it doesn't cost money. (laughs) That's the crazy thing, you know, in in the corporate world, in the world of startups, we pour so much money into going fast and scalability and all of the shiny things and getting to the next funding round, ABC, any time and effort and going, how are you? You know, I know we really pushed the envelope last week. Do you need a rest? I don't hear that quite often. Or, Or actually, I'll tell a lie, I'm hearing it now more often, great. You know, that's a cool thing, but we need more of that, right?
0: Thank you very much <laughs> for being patient and I, I hope this was useful for you and I hope it's going to be useful for the people that are going to be listening this.
1: You made it to the end of this episode. Thank you for listening.
0: Are you looking for one-on-one coaching? Do you want to develop your leadership skills? Would you like to improve your team's performance? Drop us an email at info at We would love to help you.